Hello, this is Ryan Reiser, your host. This is gonna be a very different podcast series than anything you've experienced on the market. What I'm trying to do is change things up a little bit. Rather than having a special guest and one topic with great conversation that goes away, we're gonna host a series of experts and others who have perspective on different topics over a period of time, gather that in a series of episodes, and roll that out until we've really exhausted a topic. So hopefully you enjoy this podcast, and thanks again for listening in. All right, so really excited for our next guest on this topic. I'd like to introduce Brian Whittington. Well said. Hey, good uh, good afternoon, everyone. I appreciate you having me on, Ryan. Yeah, that's a lot of T's. It is, but that's why we don't pronounce them, so it's a lot of D's, so Whittington. Yeah, Whittington. Uh, Brian, well, thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, Just so folks know your background, because I think it's really unique here. Can you tell people a little bit more about your background quickly of uh, what you've done in the past and and what you're doing today? Set some context for our topic. We kind of roundabout way of getting here, but started off as an Air Force pilot, got sick, got a, fell in love with entrepreneurship whenever I was flying airplanes. Um, Student of the game since about 2002, 2009, uh, stumbled across this little place called Sandler Training. Um, rock my world, started doing that, really getting heavily involved between sales and marketing, the alignment thereof, and really how do you drive revenue in small to mid-sized businesses. So that's, that's what I started doing, started up my company, uh, EBS Growth, about uh, close to two years ago and made a massive pivot, uh, you know, just a couple of months ago and here we are. Yeah, well, the, the background that you have, um especially for this topic from the military to then training. And now, uh, you know, as a CEO of a, of a business and, and running your own business, I think will bring some great uh, perspective here. So let's get right into it. You know, what, what, what do you, how do you feel or do you believe in this rise of the revenue intelligence, this coaching culture that we talk about? And maybe, maybe you don't even know that as hot over where you're at because you're, you're out in Pittsburgh, but uh, do you see this stuff around LinkedIn? What, what do you think about it? Yeah. So, you know, it's kind of funny whenever you look at revenue and and, uh, intelligence or coaching movement, uh, anytime that I see movement, I think fad and this too shall pass. So I think really whenever I was looking at this, there's nothing new under the sun. Uh, I I think it really uh, harkens back to running a good business. Do you know your numbers? Is there good communication, good alignment between the organization and the department? Or are you siloed and nobody knows what they're doing? Um, so really what this is, is good communication and running a good business in my mind. Yeah, well, you, you hit on something I think will be interesting for us to talk about because I know we're both passionate about, you know, the math of sales. And, right. uh, and you said, hey, you know your numbers to run your business. And when we think about revenue intelligence, it's this, you know, this made up word from some tech companies to try to put a category in here. But um, the reality is, it's like, hey, let's put some numbers bet- behind what we're doing, right? Like, let's be objective in some of the decisions. That's how I think about it. But um, why do you think this is starting to catch fire, or at least in tech? Well, be, well, especially now, uh, you know, we're, we're now post-COVID-19 or whatever they're calling this in, in pandemic days. So now it's not the, the purple unicorn, as they were calling it. We really need a good, well-run 
profitable business. So now it's, you know, riding the camel or, or leading the camel. And so it's, did we hire the right people, set proper expectations, train them up, have the numbers to know, are they hitting benchmarks? And if they're not, train them, coach them, mentor them to hit those benchmarks and then continually improve it. And if we're not able to, if we don't know our numbers, if we don't have that rev ops or revenue intelligence, there's no way that you can have that coaching uh, culture. And also if you're not hiring right, that growth mindedness in, properly hiring and creating a culture of learning and growing, once again, you're going to fall short. So although these are buzzwords right now, Ryan, I would really suggest back, like I said, it's just good business. Yeah. Well, again, you're hitting on something that I think is really interesting to me because, you know, you know, your numbers, uh, coach to those numbers. How do you feel about this a little bit different off topic, but it's on topic here and not one of the original questions, but how many people do you know when you're we're engaging, especially since you, you do a lot of this, uh, you know, sales development work on behalf of companies, that's what you do as a service offering. How many business leaders do you talk with that actually know their numbers? None. Uh, there is one gentleman, a startup person out here, um, if I could drop a name, guy by the name of Ed Engler. And he's one of the very few people that I know that really drives this into his, in, into his startup companies. But for a decade of me training, coaching, and mentoring sales leaders and me asking these questions to get their input, Ryan, to be candid, if I had three, I'd be surprised. Yeah, it's, it's so crazy because, you know, I, I, you know, I've created so many different types of calculators around the math of sales and I go, you know, what's your goal? What's your average value? And, and as soon as you start asking those numbers, if there's more than one person in the room, you can't get a consistent answer. And then... Um, you also have so many, it depends, hymns and haws, and, and that's just not possible, right? They're, like your math of sales is your, your math of sales. And so when we think about like the, 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 the basics, like run a good business, train good people, know your numbers, have a benchmark. Why do you think people are so inclined to look at what everyone else is doing versus, versus themselves? Yeah, well, I think everyone's inclined to look what everyone else is doing because they have no clue themselves. And it's not really their fault. Um, up until recently, the way that you did sales is they looked at sales as being really good with people or having the personality. And they didn't really look at it, at the art and science and, and engineered uh, methodologies that go into it. I mean, whenever I was teaching Sandler training, some of our best salespeople were engineers because they knew how to follow the process. And it's usually really smart people, the engineers, the software engineers, the, the developers, they create these products, so they create these services. And so they hire on these salespeople because they feel uncomfortable to sell. And so they hire these salespeople that seem to be people, right, good with people, but those just tend to be professional visitors or the good interviewers and they have no idea how to sell, right? So up until this point, um, uh, nobody's really known how to do it and you didn't have a visibility with this technology. So the reason I think everybody's asking everyone is no one truly knows. And whenever you ask people, they make up, they make stuff up to make them sound good. But if you start to peel back the onion, they very rarely have any tactics or structure or foundation between or behind that. So my encouragement to anyone listening to this is if you're listening to someone, peel back the onion, make sure they really know what they're talking about because free advice is sometimes the most costly advice, right? 
Yeah, you know, I, I started getting more and more questions recently from folks and, and, you know, so there's a lot of times where you're inclined to just answer right away when you assume, you know, they mean this, but it goes a long way to just say, hey, you know, it, it really depends. Bang, 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 Qual you know, you know uh, make sure that you're actually clarifying, clarifying, clarifying before you answer. <laughs> and because context matters, right? You know, what, what is this situation? We got to kind of get into the same box. So, um, you know, getting back into the, the, uh, the questions here, what does it look like at your company today, right? Are you running the sound business? Like, are you, are you following these principles? Do you, do you actually run your numbers and have, have that insight or uh, how are you, how are you getting through your day to day? Yeah. So a couple of different questions in there. So are we doing this? Absolutely. So we eat our own dog food and we have weekly scorecards that we absolutely know number of dials, dials to conversations, conversations to meetings. So we can tell you exactly how many dials that we need to get to meetings. We also know the cost associated with that. So how much does it cost to get a lead? Now we're um, uh, full transparency. Uh, it's been about three months and we've been homing in on these numbers but we can give you a good sense of how much does it cost for a lead because we're all self-generated. We do demand generation. We haven't gotten marketing in, in the mix yet, so it's all demand generation. So I can tell you with specificity how much it is to drive a lead, a demand generated lead from a telephone call, um, how much that is whenever you throw in the technology with it, and then how long is this sales cycle? What's the ratio from first time meeting or MQL, whatever you wanna call it, down to closed one. We can give you all of those ratios. And, and you know, I, I kind of cheated because I've been teaching people how to do this for a decade plus. So if we didn't do it ourselves, then that would be fairly hypocritical. <laughs> yeah. Well, so how does so you have your numbers? How does that help you, you know, in the coaching environment? Like how does that intelligence or those numbers actually translate into um, training and developing? And then also, as you mentioned, um, you know, optimizing. Uh, earlier. Yeah. So I would say a, a couple of ways. The first way is really helping the sales team because I don't know about you, Ryan, but sales is a little bit challenging, right? Whenever you get, you know, <laughs> a me measurable amounts of no's compared to yeses, um, you start to question yourself. Am I good enough? Am I doing this right? And those evil thoughts start to creep in your head. Um, but God's kind of funny. He always pulls you back in, right? Right. Whenever you're ready to quit, you get that ideal next meeting, right? So um, it's one part of it is coaching people to know how they're doing against the benchmarks. Are they average, above average, below average, right? So it, it's one part mental. The other part is if you don't have it benchmarked, then you can't lever, then you can't coach, mentor, and train to the next level. Because when you know your numbers, just a minute difference in, in improvement in percentage wise from uh, outbound attempts to conversations or conversations to meetings booked, that top of the funnel, small little movement there can have massive uh, ramifications to the benefit or detriment on the bottom line whenever it comes to revenue or profitability. And so the other side of that is one mental, but two coaching, mentoring and training. And then three, always improving. So if we're sharing best practices, it's called paritability. Hey, what's it sound like with you? Um, how do I tie what you're saying in with my personality? So you have to have that paritability with the benchmarks um, and constantly being and improving there. So you get that mindset to go along with it. And you should be pretty good. Yeah, the, the, 
framework and the idea sounds so simple when you say it like that, but the rigor and, and consistent commitment to the process is I think the most challenging part here. But you said something that I think is really, really important is those very, very small adjustments at the top of the funnel can have a significant impact at the lower funnel. And I think a lot of folks don't realize that their pipeline, and we're talking about all the way to close, right? When they're focused on why deals aren't closing, uh, why um, something's getting stuck, why someone dodged, how do, we, how do we discount to get a deal done? They're trying to optimize the wrong things that probably started all the way up even before a phone call happened, and that happened in targeting, right? They, they're, right. Just, they're just not even targeting the right people, right? And then, may, and then maybe it was messaging. You know, they might be saying the wrong things to those people, which drove an entire process with the wrong or, or misunderstanding of what it is that you might be able to do for them. Yeah, and you bring up a good point, Ryan, because, you know, there's really three parts to an effective sales development team. One is hiring. Did you hire the right people? Um, two is, do you have the right list and are they doing the activities to that list? Or actually, one is hiring, two is really um, the activity levels. Are they doing enough activity levels? And if you look at the standards out there, 40 to 50 outbound attempts per day, average SDR, BDR, um, that's not enough. Whenever you're really trying to drive the market, that's not even close to being enough. Um, and then the third part gets into the messaging and list. If I'm driving the right message to the right personas or the right list at a high enough activity level with the right people, I can't help but do well as long as I have good customer success on the back, back end and the product that somebody wants. So if I have that as the, as the given, a good product with decent enough service and, and who has good service these days, right? So if I'm at least average, um, right message to the right people at the right level um, with the right people executing on it, geez, I can't help but be good. Right. That, that sounds so simple. Sounds so simple. So, 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 so it sounds like you have a, a this lockdown, your numbers, you know, your numbers, you know, where to coach, what, what might not be working? Are you seeing anything that's challenging today? Yeah. So right now what's challenging is, is the moving target. You know, we're smack dab. It's uh, if I can give the date, it's April 14th today. Right. So we're smack dab and to shut down. Nobody knows what in the world's going on. So in LinkedIn, you're seeing webinar after webinar and, and, and you know, sales trainer saying, hey, the way that you sell now should be empathetic, should be listening. In reality, the really good salespeople are not seeing any changes. The, but what they are doing differently and what we're running into, what we're struggling with is the, the unknown. Nobody can act. Everybody's conserving capital. Everybody's trying to figure out the message. So the message three weeks ago of, hey, we're all into this, all in this together, this is crazy. Nobody wants to hear that. It is just overly saturated. It's, it's now, let's give hope, right? Hey, going forward, what do you see happening? How are you coming out of this? Let's give some, some specific steps. So it's, I would say what's not working is the status quo and what we're looking to do to change it is faster adaptations in a, in, a, in a faster feedback loop so we can we can tweak and change more quickly if that answers the question well enough. Yeah, well, so, I mean, that's, I think a lot of people that are listening at this time, if they're smack in the middle of this is, uh, 
you know, what's not working for you is a market change. It's not a, it's not a system or process around how you make these decisions. And that's what is pretty exciting about what happens when you have a tight process, you have the data because you know that if everything else has remained the same in your process, right? The, the, the challenges right now truly are because folks may be, you know, paused and not necessarily moving forward. But if everything right. else in your funnel is working, you can now assume that, well, that's just prolonging our potential sales cycle, the length to get this deal done. That does right. not mean that I have to stop doing the things that I know that will drive the future success of my business. Because the only thing that we all, well, the one thing that we all know and co- are have in common right now is we don't know what we don't know. And that's the future right. state that we don't know. Like tomorrow, we don't know. But we do have historical information that helps us understand that uh, with the right process, the right people, and the right metrics to ensure that you're guiding yourself in the right way, uh, you can be positioned to have success. And outside of the fact that we're all going through this craziness, uh, at some point, something will have to change and we're going to have to get back to business. And I don't think, to your point at the very top of this, that, you know, sales hasn't really changed that much over the last 100 years or so right? A lot of different changes in terms of words we use, but it's really kind of the same bucket, the same concepts bucketed into some basic, basic things. And if you could tell, tell the world what that looks like in your opinion, Brian, because I know this is, we're getting towards the end here, but what, what, what would you say sales is, is from a, from a top-down approach, um, you know, uh, that when we think about the process and the training and all the changes that happen, how, what does it take to get a deal done, regardless of the climate, right? What, is that, what does that look like? Yeah, and I'm glad that you brought that up because as, as you're speaking there, what I, one thing that I want to really encourage your listeners is this. Don't you dare play victim. I mean, if you're playing victim, so this goes back to that, cult, that coach, uh, coaching culture. Uh, there's a book by uh, Kim Scott, uh, Radical Candor. And so you have to speak in a radically candid way to internal team, your sales team, but also to your to to the buyers, your prospects, right? And so a, a key piece of this to do it well is do not play victim. If what's working, if what used to work isn't working, then adapt and change, adapt and overcome. And if sales cycle is longer, well, suck it up. You now have to do more work, right? So out hustle, outwork everybody else. And there's more tools and techniques and strategies out there than 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 anybody can utilize. So so take one that works well for you and execute on it. So um, to to answer your question, I mean what do you need to do to sell effectively now is be specific, be exact in your language, know what you do. If somebody says, Hey, what is it that you do? You better be able to answer it and crappy salespeople right now. You deserve the the results that you're getting and get out of the way because you're making all, all of our lives better. So improve what you're doing, get better, know how to speak directly to people. And it's not professional visiting, right? It's, it's good execution, be professional and problem solve because that's what people want. They want their problem solved. And that's the beauty about what we do in the sales pr- profession is we professionally help people to solve their problems. So it's really that simple. Yeah, thank you. Uh, well, Brian, I appreciate your perspective on all of this. Uh, and that message right there resonates well with me, you know, solve a problem or go away, right? Yeah, and you exactly. should not, you should not, 
You should not feel bad about trying to help someone if you passionately believe that you can. And right now there's a lot of problems. So that means there's, a, there's plenty of opportunity for professional salespeople to go out and do what they do. Solve those problems. So, so uh, Brian, I, I have a, a final question here is, you know, outside of coaching and developing teams, you know, your sales teams, finding the right people. What do you see as one of the bigger challenges, um, you know, as a sales development leader here or sales leader uh, over the next couple of years? You know, I, I've realized COVID's now, this question's a little bit, you know, COVID out of, out of there. What, what do you see as some of the bigger challenges that, that we face? Yeah, so coming out of this, I, I, I believe that there's going to be a massive shift in our go-to-market strategies. Um, the way we used to sell, the way we used to have a team structure, I don't believe that's going to be the, be the case. So doing this right here, can you effectively sell remotely? Can you take the whole entire funnel from um, outbound prospecting all the way through pipeline management to close? Can you do that remotely? Um, if you don't have an average sales value that's high enough for um, like account-based marketing or maybe this the sales development team with SDRs and BDRs and, and going um, through distribution is likely not going to be uh, not going to work. I mean, people have been pivoting away from that before. So we really have to, I believe, in the sales marketing alignment, figure out what's that new go-to-market strategy. Um, and that changes for each and every company. So I think right now, what's going to come out of this is, is really trying to figure that out. And whoever, one, figures it out first, and two, executes the best on that is going to be the winner. Interesting. So, so there's going to be are you thinking less specialization and more um, uh, renaissance sellers, if you will? Is that, is that what you're saying? Or are you saying you don't really know what it is and there's got to be a, a more, more alignment? Because uh, that's a really, really, really important topic that I think folks are interested in, you know, in the future state. Yeah, so I would say it 100% depends on your industry. So if you're technology on a SaaS type model, um, and your average sale value is high enough that you can do that business development side, the, the specialization. Absolutely. I mean, it, it works extremely well. Um, but if you are selling through manufacturers uh, reps or through distribution, um, distributors are going to be taking less inventory now and buyers want less friction. I mean, look what happened to 3M during this time. Distributors are getting crushed in a really bad rap and buyers just want to go direct. And you should be able to do that with e-commerce and, e and digital marketing. So I really see that changing. But if you have a, a complex product or a massive product offering, it's not going to be as simple as click and put into the cart but yeah. you actually need somebody to help you out. And I think that's going to be the difference. So we're calling that a virtual sales rep. Um, yeah. And that would likely take the place of distributors or maybe even a, um, manufacturers reps, because typically um, manufacturers reps, once they went through their Rolodex, they were out. And so now for companies to continue to grow, they need new and different ways. So I would say, that type that's too small of an average sale price to do the, the sales development route, but too complex to do e-commerce, I think it's that, that middle right there that would really take advantage of that piece. Yeah, so, so Noah Goldman talks about this as well. I think you guys are in alignment here, and he says you got to be better than the buy button, right? And it's going to move yeah. towards the function of selection. Sales, sales folks of the future need to help with selection. 
and they have to help with implementation. And I think that speaks really well to what you're saying, because if not, the buy button can do it for me. Uh, there's no need for the professional salesperson. So Brian, thank you so much for your time today. If uh, folks want to get in touch with you, how can they get a hold of you? Yeah, they can uh, link, link in with me on LinkedIn. It's Brian with a Y. Don't mess that one up. So Brian with a Y, uh, Whittington on LinkedIn. Or you can uh, reach me at, um, at www.ebsgrowth. So that's Echo Bravo Sierra Growth.com. Fantastic. Thanks again for joining us today, Brian.